Hey everyone, your friendly neighborhood executive producer Dana here. Before we start the show, I just want to let you know that I'll be making references to Kevin doing a second half of this episode. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to due to circumstances beyond his control, but hopefully we'll see him back on Made of Fail soon. And now, on with the show. Unpopular before it was cool. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Help me out here, Spock. I don't speak loser. Listen to yourself, man. You're hanging with nerds. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 85 of Made a Fail. I'm Dana, and this is going to get stitched together with Kevin's part because we are doing something awesome for our ninth anniversary. We have made it nine years. I don't know how, but it's thanks to you listeners who've been there for us for the whole time. And so since we didn't have an episode last month, we're doing sort of a joint Mother's Father's Day sort of thingy. And we're going to be talking to our parents about how they related to us as geeks and, you know, how their childhood was all nerdy and whatever and just all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be awesome, and I would like to introduce, if I may, the person you can blame for my sense of humor, my father, John. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, he's probably making a face at me right now from the other side of the country because I screwed up and recorded about eight minutes of conversation. Uh, well, lost, I, I think you, I didn't. I didn't record it was the problem. You, you lost all my funnies. <laughs> When did you ever have any? I had you. Oh! oh I'd be mad whoa. at you, but that was a really good burn, so high five. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, let's talk about you for a minute. Uh, okay. You were born in 1954. You so are right. Um, and when you were a kid, you were, like, super, super into monsters, sci-fi, like Godzilla and all that. And comics, and you mentioned that you, well, you mentioned in the stuff that I didn't record, because I'm a frickin' genius, <laughs> that you were into uh, building things like radios and stuff. And you were a musician for basically your entire life. Yeah. And then I came along and ruined that. Yeah. <laughs> and then you raised two kids, mostly by yourself, me and my sister as a salesman, and I don't know how you were able to afford us. <laughs> Seriously. I, you well, you should have sold us to the used little kids store. You would have gotten a great return. That You know, that was one of the best ploys I had. I mean, that, there was nothing, you know, the used little kids store and taking your bedroom door off. <laughs> you know what? You got you to gotta tell this story because A, it'll embarrass me, and, and B, uh, some of our listeners are parents themselves, and they, 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 if they want to traumatize their kids, they really got to try this. So, well, anytime. So tell tell, tell it, them about the used little kids store. Well, the used little kids store was something I made up. Uh, I, I told them there was a store behind the Jewel su supermarket 
that it was called the Used Little Kids Store. And the purpose of it was is when parents just got so fed up with their kids that because they wouldn't listen, they wouldn't do what they were told, you'd call them and they would come and take the kids and give you new ones. <laughs> and I actually, at one point, I actually faked a phone call and watched Dana and her sister Tracy kind of freak out. And then... I went a step further and I went down and I knocked on the door and I went and I went, you little kid store. And I was crying. Oh my God. What was I like? Five? I was like, I was like, yeah, I had to have been like five, six, something. I don't know. Yeah, It wasn't extremely traumatic. Yes, it was. It was horrible. You scarred me for, I'm in therapy, you know, I have to be on pills. But it worked. (laughs) Yeah, but you were an asshole about it. So... (laughs) And then taking your door off work, too. Well, so that's, a good, that's been a that's thing a with good me my whole trip. life, is I like to sort of hole up in things and just have my privacy, you know what I mean? So yeah. that was really upsetting to me, is just not having any privacy. Well, well, being a single parent, I had to come up with creative ways to discipline you without ripping your little heads off. That is some A-plus parenting right there. Well... What would you rather have? Would you rather be headless as we speak, or would you rather know that I had a creative way of disciplining you? Well, I might be prettier without a head. I don't know. But anyway. Oh, you look like me. Yeah, that's the worst part. In drag. I do not. You don't even know what drag is. You know how much makeup I'd have to wear? No, if I dressed up like a woman. Yeah, I know. But like I don't me. wear makeup. Drag queens wear makeup. Okay, next question. (laughs) Now I have a horrible mental image in my head. Thanks a lot, Daddy. All right, so, but let's talk about your childhood. Okay. Sit on the couch and tell me about your mother. About my mother? No, I was... Oh, okay. It was a psychiatrist joke. Get it? Let's talk about your childhood. Let's talk about your mother. No, not funny. If I explain the joke, it gets exponentially funnier the longer I go at it. So, so like so like if a mechanic walks into a psychiatrist's office, the psychiatrist says, get under the couch. Okay, so moving on. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the stuff that you were into as a kid. You were huge, um, huge, huge into monster stuff. For some time. reason, monster stuff was like your thing. Monsters and dinosaurs were my big thing. Okay. And, 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 and comics. Sure- and oh, big time on comics. And and, and and like I said before, I used to like to take things apart um, and then not put them back together again and get my butt kicked by my dad. But crystal radios was a thing that I used to like to build a lot. And and for us tender youngins, please do explain what are crystal it, radios, old man. A crystal radio does not require any type of electricity. It creates its own. It works on a on a, a crystal like a silicon crystal or an agate or something, whatever. And then you hook it to a ground, like a pipe, and then it had a coil of wire, and you moved a little little runner across the uh, the wire, and it would pick up radio stations from, like, everywhere. That's pretty cool. It was cool. Mine looked like a little rocket ship. And? And? Well, did it do anything else? Like, did it text people? Did it go online? Did it? No, I'm just kidding. No, it was like a, it, it did Skype. <laughs> That's about what Skype runs on these days. 
Yeah. All right. But, but the monster thing was, I was really in a monsters big time. Yeah, that that sort of leads into um, like the second question is, is why did they resonate with you? Like you personally had this connection to dinosaurs, monsters. What was the appeal? They scared me. You know, was the- I don't want to say that that's kind of how I felt about Nightmare on Elm Street, but yeah, here we are. I had every single Aurora monster model that they made. So and, at night, and at night, I used to have to have my mother take them out of my room because they scared they, me. They glowed in the dark, right? No. These oh, were before that. They were before that. This is 19, you know, in the 1960s. Then they came out with the... In the, the before the, times. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then the other cool thing was, is, was the monster movies. Because my parents on Saturday, mm-hmm. and there's a story behind this. All right. Every Saturday, my parents would give me 50 cents to go to the movies down at the Arcade in St. Charles. 50 cents, for, guys. 50, 50 cents. cents. I would get in, get into the movies, get a box of popcorn, and like a Green River, which was a drink. What was it? It was a really foul-tasting lemon-lime kind of a thing. I but guess we loved if you're it. into that. And they were really full of sugar. Oh, well. Now, the reason, and I found, I, actually, my mother told me this later. The reason they did that every Saturday mm-hmm. was to get rid of me for two hours because they wanted to get jiggy with it. Thank you for sharing and traumatizing me further. And boy, my therapist is going to have a field day with me next week. How do you think I felt when I found that out? <laughs> I can't. Oh, my good get jiggy you are so old oh my god that went out of style in the 90s where have you been that's why i said it you're petrified <laughs> you're so old. but anyway i saw that's that's back in the day when it was like all the i like the b movies hell yeah invaders from mars yes. them mr science built a career on that so you have good taste attack of the giant tarantula nope Nope, 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 nope. That is a movie I will not be seeing. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was really stupid anyway. Eh. The Incredible Shrinking Man. Mm-hmm. That was a great movie. The and now a lot guy. of those movies, a lot of those movies, and The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, God, that one's a classic. Yes, it was. Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Anything that Ray Harryhausen did, yes. I was so into. Did you ever see Clash of the Titans, the original, when it came out? Did I ever see what? Clash of the Titans when it came out. That was like, I think that was like yeah, yeah, 1980 yeah, yeah, yeah. or something yeah. like that. But yeah, oh man. And Jason on the Argonauts. And that just fascinated you. Like, why, why, I, I mean, this is going to be a weird question coming from me because I understand it in my head why I love Nightmare on Elm Street, but I'm scared to death of it. But why did you connect with these even though they terrified you? Well, back then, you're talking to a, a seven, eight-year-old kid going, you know, See, back then, you know, it's not, it's, you know, it's that whole generation thing. Because back then, on a Saturday morning, I got up, I got dressed, I did my chores, and then I was gone for the whole day. My parents had no clue where I was until I came home at night. I mean, you can't do that now. Yeah, people are evil. DCFS would be at your door. But they didn't. They didn't know what I was doing. But what they did is they gave me the 50 cents to go to the movies, so, you know, they could have stop, a little stop stop talking you can no stop talking thank you <laughs> please stop talking <laughs> but like i said 
going to the movies was a big deal. And you went and by yourself, I, or did you have like a group? I would, or? I would go with friends. I'd go by myself, but I went. So, I, you know, like I said, and and all those movies, they were trending back then. Of course, they didn't know what the word trending was back then, but they were trending back then. They were hip and cool. Yes, they were. How do you do, fellow kids? Uh-huh. <laughs> but to sit there in a movie theater and, and watch something like, uh, Attack of the Flying Saucers, which is really a stupid, stupid movie by today's standards. They're all stupid movies, but I love yeah. them. But there were some classic ones, and I mentioned one before, The Incredible Shrinking Man, mm-hmm. because it actually told a story and how this guy just he just shrunk to the point where he just no longer existed. So, like, that scared you because... It was a scary concept. Well, now you know? know how I feel about Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, that's a different genre, though. See, it's a whole different well, ball. really. Because a lot of sci-fi aliens back then, uh, movies tend to go in these cycles of, of, you know, reflecting the culture at the time. Okay. In, in the 50s, okay. you had the whole, like, atomic scare, so there were a lot of monsters that came out of, you know, like, atomic radiation, like Godzilla. Right, right, right. But now remember another good movie, and you've seen the remake, and, and I know you've seen the original, but you saw the remake first, was The Blob. Oh my god, no, I never saw the I never saw the remake. Yes, you did. No, I didn't because I was reading about it in Fangoria and it looked like it scared the shit out of me and I absolutely refused. No, because you even and I'll tell you exactly how you described the blob to me. Then I blanked it out because it probably scared me so bad. You did. You described the blob as a vampire's stomach. Yeah, well it is. But now the original blob was Steve McQueen. Was like real. It was campy. There's a word for you. It was Actually, campy. It really wasn't. If you think about it, they they played it really straight, and I really really liked that. Like they were, you know, like the forty year old kids were going to the forty year old adults, and the adults would just ignore them. And that was a you big know? thing. The whole like that's what it tapped into. The whole like you know, you're aware of things that your parents aren't, and blah blah blah, and you know, don't let them tell you otherwise, and. But whenever they took the, you know, then they took all those cool, cool movies and they redid them and killed them. I mean, the day the earth stood still. I mean, classic. <laughs> the movie. day the actor stood still. Yeah, and and I mean, I've gone to the to great lengths to even like read up on how they did it. Like they had two different suits, and and Gort when he was standing on the 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 entrance to the spaceship, uh-huh. that was a prop, but it kept falling over. So they actually got the actor who was was played Gort to get in the, the costume to give it weight so it would stay there. And he stood there so long that his legs were given out on him and stuff. He was like sweating and going into convulsions and stuff. So and I even, you know, and like I said, I collect that memorabilia. I've got I got that, you know, the picture of, of right. the the with Patricia Neal signed mine. Oh, cool. So but that, that whole monster movie genre thing was just... You are it, still to this day, like, all in on Godzilla. Godzilla's your guy. Godzilla was the first movie that really scared the crap out of me. Why? Well, you think, okay. Well, first of all, it's kind of cool because it was made the same year that I was born. And for what they had, I mean, looking back at it in retrospect, what they had to go through to make that movie was incredible. Well, we're sort of like focusing less on, you know, the movie, more like your reaction to it. Well, my reaction... I could go off on a tangent here. It was was the build-up to actually seeing Godzilla. Fair enough. You know, 
you, you didn't see them at first, and then there, everybody started. They're on the island, and they were ringing the bell because Godzilla was coming, and they're all running up the, up the hill, and all of a sudden, here's Godzilla's head. I can hear the grin on your face. Is the cool part. So, and you know, I have like all things Godzilla oh in my heart. I just, I just got you for your birthday. You were joking about this last December for for that Christmas. Bank you is <laughs> it was. It's a little. It's a little coin bank. And you put a coin on it, and, and it opens up, and, it, and Godzilla's head comes out, and he takes the penny or whatever. Here, here, here. Are you seriously going to? Oh, my God. Listen. Don't do this. <laughs> You're such a dork. How cool is that? <laughs> You're such a nerd. I and, I and I had the little statue of Gort. He's, the, he's a wind-up robot. He yeah. walks. I still have my Godzilla from 1985. The you know, that's worth a lot one. of money. Ah, he, he's, he's guarding my living room. Give him to me. I'll take him. Hell no. I love that thing. Okay, so so what else you want to know? Because we're, we're spending all this time just on, on the movies. Yeah, I know, but that's fine. But you, I am so jealous. You are the one who got me into comic books. And I really want, I've told this story to the listeners various times over the years about how I would always go into my dad's comic book collection up in my grandma's attic and I'd sit there with uh, like, you know, some bologna and Cheetos and a Coke and I'd spend all day just reading comics over and over and over again. And I just, I, I absolutely fell in love. And you were there at the dawning of the Silver Age. <laughs> yeah. so cool. So yeah. I kind of want to know, like, how it felt to be, like, how did you start becoming aware of comics as a well, thing? No, I told you the story, so you sure you want me to tell it yeah, to your care. listener? Yeah, I don't care. We used to go, to, there was a, um, like an all-purpose, it was a smoke shop and bookstore, it was called Fisher's. Mm-hmm. And my dad would go in there, and in the back room, they had an adult section. You can skip over that part. But, I mean, but the adult section back then was, like, really tame. Thank you. Moving on. Yeah. So while, I, while he was doing that, I was in the comic book aisle. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting, I mean, I'm looking, I'm, this is back when it was, like, tales of suspense and stuff. You know, this is, like, yeah, pre this is, this all is, this cool This is pre-Fantastic Four. This is pre-Marvel superheroes. Yeah, this is, like, pre-Marvel, period. No, I think it but, was still called Marvel, wasn't it? It was just like no, no, because no, I thought it was timely in the '30s and '40s. But it was it, like like tales to astonish. And, yeah, and but stuff wasn't like it still that. under the Marvel brand? I'm it, pretty it, sure it was. It, it morphed into that, is what it did. Well, I, I'm saying like the actual imprint label, but that's splitting hairs. But anyway, go ahead. So I'm, I'm I would sit there and read these comic books, and then my dad would come out with his stash of stuff, and I'm like, Dad, I you know buy me this comic book, buy, and then we there were a dime, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill Fisher, the guy who owned the place, and my dad were friends. And, you know, my dad was like, no, I'm not buying any of that. I'm not buying that. And Bill Fisher would go, oh, he'd look at me and go, just take them. He would just take a couple. And I'd take them home, and I would read those things just from cover to cover, I mean, for days on end. Oh, what was that one dude's name? Like Sprague the Living Mountain or something like that? And then he had the greatest of all was Fin Fang Foom. And, and I, I that loved was, that when I was a kid because you know the alliteration. Yeah. Now, if you want to, if you want to find something interesting, Wikipedia, and it'll give you the actual story. Awesome. I could probably so, find a link to it somewhere. 
Oh yeah, you'll find stuff on it. And so, I got so I have that a, was your, I have that a, sort of tied into your your movie watching thing. Like, oh, they make things you can read with monsters. Okay. Yeah, Serpo, the creature that crushed the world. <laughs> it was this, it was this orange monster, kind of looked like the thing. Mm-hmm. It was a derivative of the thing, and he kept growing and growing and growing. Growing the thing. Yeah. But he kept growing to the point where finally these aliens from outer space came by in a flying saucer and they had this gigantic grappling hook. <laughs> and they hooked him up and they pulled him off the earth because he was crushing the earth. Uh, as you do, obviously. It's how that works. So, Science. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they just gave no fucks whatsoever about science back then. Oh, I know, I know. Lasers yeah. did it. Um, radiation did it. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. It was amazing. Now, here's th- here's the thing. is How did it feel to be there when Marvel started pushing its superhero line? Like, what was the first, what was the first superhero book that you picked up? Probably Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe no. I, uh, well, let's see. Well, like, what was what was your opinion on Spider Man when you read that? Because oh, I you know, thought it, Amazing Fantasy fifteen. You picked it up, and I thought it was cool as hell. What was what was like? Know? What were you thinking? Like, like well, why what was it, it cool what, to you? Specifically? What it would be like to be like that? You know, and all these and all these cool things that he could do. And d- just as a side note to that, there is one. One talent he had, they only showed it twice in the comic books. Mm-hmm. And and you, I think you know the answer. Is it the one where he could see in slow-mo and they sort of like put that in the movie yes. a little bit more prominently? The Sam Raimi yes. ones? Yeah. yeah, well, it makes sense, you know, the reflexes and everything. Right. But in the comic books, I mean, they, they extrapolated on it. Mm-hmm. You know, where they would, you know, he would say, oh, I, you know, wow, what's happening? He's in a fight. And all of a sudden, everybody's going like really slow. Well, to be fair, back in the day they, when they were still trying to figure him out, you know, like uh, Stan and Steve were, were sort of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck, you know? Right. <laughs> Appropriately right. enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. But well, the other, the so, one so you cool basically thing. just wanted to be Spider-Man. Well, it was cool, too, because... It was a kid, mm-hmm. it was a young kid, where, where stuff like, you know, Iron Man and stuff, that was a grown adult. And Thor, of course, you're Thor Philly, you're sitting on your thaddle sideways. Yes, thank you, moving on. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, in the comic book, Thor was an actual human who found the hammer. Mm-hmm. I know. But in the movies that you see now, Thor is just, he's a god, that's it. Well, if nah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to correct you on that. I'm not going to, I hate to be the um actually guy, but um actually, it says in Journey into Mystery 83, thank you, uh, that Thor's spirit was put into Donald Blake from the beginning. If you go back and reread it. In the comic book, yes, but yes. not in the movies. Yes, in the, well, in the movies, yeah, they really didn't, they really didn't play up the Donald Blake of it. No, no, he doesn't, he doesn't transform. I guess they skip that. Yeah, that kind of sucks if you think about it. Yeah, he, he doesn't, he doesn't have an alter ego. Okay, no, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. I was, I was, I was thinking that you were referring to the comics and I don't know, I flipped them. I'm tired, it's hot, whatever. <laughs> I have the AC yeah. off so it doesn't interfere with the uh, recording. But that, that, that whole thing, it was just, you know, it was, it was, it tied in with the, the monsters and the dinosaurs and it was just it was just a real cool period time of my life. Did you notice that Spider-Man had a lot of like animal-based villains? Yeah. He had the lizard and the tarantula and you know Rhino. Vulture, Rhino. 
Yeah. I think I think J. Michael Straczynski played on that at some point where like oh, was it in the other it was right before the other storyline. And it was sort of like, you know, Spider-Man was sort of like a spider totem. And all his other enemies were sort of drawn to that with their totem. I don't know. It, it was Straczynski. It was weird. But, um, so let's sort of move um, on to me. Well, let me ask, okay, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So you were saying earlier, you know, you were up in, in my mom's attic group, you know, going through these comic books. What was your first impression Dude, Spider-Man, it was just, he was so cool. They were just, I mean, I was a kid, so it was like, you know, bright colors and, and, and fantasy and stuff like that. And these were people with superpowers, and here I, I don't know why, but my entire life, I've, lo I've gravitated to fantasy to, like, you know, people who were, were powerful and used those powers to fight evil and do good. And, you know, I'd watch He-Man and She-Ra and Thundercats and, you know, I'd play with all my, my He-Man She-Ra toys. And I, I don't know what it was. I, I just, like, I feel like comics have been there for my entire life. And it's always been superhero comics. And since you had a lot of Silver Age stuff, there would always be, like, that morality play at the end from Stan Lee going, like, you know, with great power there must also come great responsibility, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right, right. And so they kind of taught me right from wrong a little bit, if you think about it. Yeah. And, like, I, I loved, I loved Spider-Man because, you know, like you said, he was a young kid and kind of relate. And then... um but also, you know, I'm a girl, so I'm going to go, oh, Supergirl, ooh, Wonder Woman, ooh, Catwoman. I loved Supergirl and Wonder Woman and Catwoman, but mostly Supergirl. And Supergirl's been my favorite for my entire life. And yeah. she's, she was just always what I wanted to be. You know, like, you know, I, I gravitated towards strong blonde women because, you know, I was blonde, I was a girl, and that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to be She-Ra, I wanted to be Supergirl, you know? Uh -huh. it, it was it was sort of I guess wish fulfillment. Well, and in some ways you've taken the, the things that you've read and you have incorporated them into your life. I certainly try. And I ain't perfect. But... Everybody does that to a degree. That's why they're called geeks and nerds. Yeah, but I took it pretty far. You know, I wasn't really socializing with people. I, let's let's go on okay, from that yeah. because that feeds into the fourth question, or, or the third question is, you know, the the positive and negative sides to having a child who's considered a nerd. Because I can t I can sit here and tell you, like, I was a pretty withdrawn kid, and you know, you kind of shamed me a little bit for being antisocial. But I've always been like that. Like, I would always what? rather have my nose in a book than anything else in the world. But see, I was too, because you know, remember, I was an only child. Mm -hmm. So I had to entertain myself. Yeah, but I didn't and, like my sisters. <laughs> I just sort of. But what, what better way to entertain yourself is with monsters? I don't know. Play you, football and baseball like the other kids? Oh, I played baseball. I did that stuff too. Yeah. When you got into guitars, and that sort of ended everything else. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've always been, I, I was always, and, that, and that's my mom's fault, because, um, you know, my, we never had a TV until I was like about eight or nine. <gasps> do you know what yeah. you have to do? You have to tell the story of Mama falling for the War of the Worlds. Well, yeah. Well, she lived in a little town called Woodstock, Illinois, uh -huh. and they were, you know, listen to the radio after dinner, 
and they clicked on the radio and it was like already into the program. They didn't hear the preamble. They didn't know that it was a play and it scared the living crap out of her. She thought the aliens were coming. She thought that the whole damn thing was true. To be fair, a lot of people did. Like that, a, that scared half of America back then from what I read. And I'm going to yeah, link that in the show notes. It, it's a there, really cool. There is a documentary on Netflix about that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll link to that for sure. I kind of want to watch it now. Yeah. But yeah, so anyway. But it, it terrorized the nation. <laughs> that is some effective people, horror. People committed suicide because of that, oh, no, of that. Okay, that I didn't know. That's just sad. But that's yeah. like, that sort of, you know, sci-fi and horror are sort of like brother and sister, you know what I mean? Like, right. they're very closely related because a lot of sci-fi back when you were a kid was meant to scare you. Yeah. Because, you know, there was that undercurrent of fear about the atomic age, and they fed sure. on that, and they made it entertaining. <laughs> there was a guy that lived three, four blocks away from me who, uh, and the city's been after him ever since. He His whole entire home is like... Yeah, yeah, it, over on the west side I'm, of St. Charles, that bomb yeah. shelter dude. Yeah, oh, and that yeah, house... Everybody is, from there knows about that. It's atomic bomb proof. And you know what? Now I want to... I, I kind of want to go live with him now. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shit, that's justified nowadays. So going back to your question. Okay, sorry. Off topic. Eh, it happens. That's the show. Hashtag that's it. That's the show. Hashtag was a pound sign. Your face is a pound sign. Mm. Go on. <laughs> back in my day. <laughs> you want to get back a rocking chair and a... My, back in my day, we didn't even have a dial in our telephones. Yeah, you'd pick up and the operator would answer. And and I still remember my phone number. Well, you know, it was just three letters. It was it was four numbers. That was it. So weird. It was like the Andy Griffith show. Oh, hey, you and Andy, you hey, and Andy Sarah. Griffith. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> You and you get and Andy, yeah, you'd know the operators by their first names, and everybody knew each other, and it was great if you were, a, you know, a white male back in the 50s. Yeah. Not so much for literally everybody else. So, like I said before, so all this stuff, it all, re I mean, it, it reverberates into everybody, because everybody grew up with something like that. Well, yeah, every generation has its own pop culture. So, but it makes also the whole nerd geek thing... I mean, a guy who's an accountant is fascinated with numbers. Not necessarily. Sometimes Some, that's well, the only job he can get. Well, but still, they like numbers. They like number crunching, so they're into that. You know, mechanics like to tinker with with, with engines and, and make them better and faster. And, you know, so and they're geeks. They're nerds. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Kevin sits there and he calls jocks just sports geeks. That's all they are. Yeah. That whole, like, never-ending battle between the jocks and the nerds, and we're all sort of fanatic about the same thing. It's just that in the common parlance is that geeks and nerds are sort of, like I said earlier in the episode, it's that subset of sci-fi, fantasy, tinkering, science, learning, knowledge, that sort of thing. Well, and another big thing in, in my childhood were chemistry sets. Oh, yeah. Because we would do stuff, and I'm surprised that half of us are still alive. <laughs> We don't have like growing two heads and shit because they, you know, the stuff they had, they give you like a tube of asbestos to play with or mercury. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You know, 
they, they had an actual it was, it was um, some kind of a little vapor chamber and it was radioactive that you could buy. Yeah, I, I remember seeing like buy a chunk of uranium in like those ads in the back of like 50s yeah. comics. Yeah. What the hell was wrong with everybody back then? But we survived. Yeah, well, that explains how your generation thinks nowadays, though. Well, you're you're just probably a mutant of me now. Yeah, I probably am. Yeah. But I'm a cool mutant. So what else are you going to throw at me here? I, I don't know. It was, it's mostly like... I, we totally tangented, because I'm still on question three, about the positive and negative sides to having a child who's considered a nerd. Now, from my perspective, you know, I was you know, not socialized well. I, I didn't have any friends, and I didn't, you know... I wasn't popular, I wasn't one of the cool kids, I got rocks thrown at me, and I just wanted to read books and stuff like that. So, you know, thing, things would upset me, and it would it would suck, and so I'd just dig myself into books even further. Yeah. So, but, but, that at, the, negative but at the also- same time, but at the same time, I could come home... And you'd like the same stuff that I would. We'd watch the Three Stooges together, or we'd, you know, watch Godzilla movies or read comics. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like my safe haven. But you would turn your negatives into a positive. How? And you don't even, you don't even realize it. Okay, <laughs> okay. You, sure, you know me, right? You know who you're talking to? Yeah, but okay, say your talent for the English language. Okay, fine. That's Stan Lee's fault. I know. And I'm also talking to a girl who taught herself to read when she was three years old. You see, and nobody believes me when I say that. That's the truth. I would sit there and I had, remember we'd lay in bed and I have to tell you stories and oh, we'd make yeah. up stories. Yeah, my favorite one to... was when you'd say, once upon a time, the end. I'd get <laughs> so mad at you. And I'd get really pissed off at you for mispronouncing things because you'd read me He-Man stuff and you'd say sword and it'd drive <laughs> me batshit. And I, I did used to do that on purpose too. Yeah, because <laughs> you were a jerk, but hey. <laughs> But you would correct me. Yes, because I was smarter than you. But you were three. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sword. You're such a jerk. I, yeah. But, you know, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always loved stories. I love to read. That was, you know, I've, I guess I've just always had a good imagination. You know, it doesn't translate too well to paper, but I just, I love stories about magic and, and you know... Dana. Warriors and swords and what? You used to write books. Oh God! Please don't bring that up. <laughs> they were so bad. Yeah, but you <laughs> did get some recognition from Terry Brooks. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I, like I wrote him a fan letter when I was twelve, and I got a problem with Terry Brooks nowadays. I'll link you. I'll, I'll link you personally to the article, but it, it's on the website where uh, they they adapted the Elfstones of Shannara for TV. Uh-huh. And for yeah, the I first know. four episodes, it was absolutely amazing. It was the greatest thing in my entire life. And then they took a sharp right turn into rape and death threats. And I was like, what the hell? And I was like, nope. It's called ratings. No, it sucked. And it was unnecessary. And I, I wrote like a huge thing on it. And um, it's actually in our editorial section. If you go to our website, madeafail.net, go to editorials. And it's under... Uh, harmless stuff, I believe is what I titled it, because he, yeah. he called it harmless stuff, and I was just like, oh, let me throw some statistics at you, sir. Well, now, see, now you and I share a, a, kind of a, a kind of little symbiotic thing here, because 
being an only child, you know, when I had to entertain myself, but I also got made fun of and I got picked and I got picked on, you know, and you saying you got, you got picked on and you, I'm, I'm very introverted. You know that I can hermitize in a set in a nanosecond. You were a rock star. But that was, <laughs> that was my way out. You were literally famous. Well, see, I, I, I don't look at it that way. You I how, just, how many kids? How many of my friends' parents do you think ever toured with Cheap Trick or Aerosmith or you know whatever? That just happened. <laughs> it and doesn't it, just happen. It's you were talented. You guys were a good band. Okay, but it, it just happened. We were in the right place at the right time in the right era. <laughs> you know, and, and there was a time, in, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, Chicago was a major hub for music. It was in the nineties too. You just missed it. it Everybody was getting signed, mm-hmm. you know, and I just happened, I just decided I, I really got into music like in 1962. And like I said, that was my mom's fault because she was always playing Nat King Cole or Perry Como or, or whatever. So I, yeah. it was always those going are, on in the house. Good musicians. Yeah. And I was really into the big band thing. Mm-hmm. And then the rock and roll thing came out and I was never a big like Elvis fan. I thought the guy was pretty much of a chump. But, you know, I'll probably take some flack for that. Mm. But but he never wrote a song. You know, if it wasn't for his backup band, he'd be nothing. Daddy Led Zeppelin barely wrote a song. <laughs> well, that's true. And Jimmy, I swear to God, Jimmy Page was one of the, and, and still is, in my mind, one of the sloppiest guitar players. You are going to get so heard. much shit for that. I don't that's care. That's what's going <laughs> to, I'm going to get angry emails. I, okay, I saw the man who was with the Yardbirds uh-huh. back in the day. Um, he was horrid until he sat down with his acoustic and his alternate tunings, and then he was doing some pretty amazing stuff because nobody knew what alternate tunings were back then. Well, they did because all the blues, blues guys used them. Daddy, but, everybody in the 60s was on like 80 different kinds of drugs. Of course they came up with alternate tunings. But Jimmy Page, after seeing him countless times, was and he's a really nice guy. I met that guy. He's a really nice guy. You don't think you're famous? You met Jimmy Page. Oh my! I no, I don't. <laughs> he's he's a short little skinny guy, and he's introverted as well. How, you, do, it, how do you reconcile that? How do you say that you're like? It, I was talking about this in like another couple episodes ago. Where like how how can you be? Maybe it's just because I've got a massive anxiety disorder, but I can't picture myself doing that. I, I've been on stage a, a total of once, I think, and it sucked and I hated it. Being on stage is like walking through a portal and I'm in a totally different place. And you've seen some of my shows. You've seen me play. No, well, you haven't because you no, weren't up. Saw, well, no, I saw you at the Arcada and then I saw you at um, Synergy. Yeah, but I've also played gigs that were like 25,000 people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to that one in Indiana with Julie. You know, and what it's was that, a whole. Two thousand seven, you opened for Cheap Trick. I opened for. I've opened for everybody. I remember. I remember you did a show with Kansas, and 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 you guys got uh, like a standing ovation or whatever, <laughs> and then like. Well, there's there's a, a guy named Mike Preston who's a a, a local comic. Um, he's a regional guy. He's semi-famous. And he used to have a TV show, and he interviewed us before we went on. We played at, at some place down in St. Charles, and he said, "Well, I hear you guys just opened for uh, for Kansas," and I just kind of chuckled, 
And he said, I also heard that when you guys were done, Kansas was dust in the wind. Oh, I see what you did there. Because that's well, that their was, song. That was his words, not mine. I know. It's it's funny. The, the but Kansas, yeah. they, they were so boring, Dana. It was just like Tracy fell asleep. <laughs> they were just so boring. I really like Carry On My Wayward Son, so I'm sorry for Oh, laughing, I, I but... I like the early Kansas stuff. It was the oldest when they when they got real commercial and did Dust in the Wind and, and whatever. They remember, just uh, you remember when I asked you about how have you listened to the show and you said once in a while and then you complain that we go off on tangents. It's uh-huh. different when you're talking, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> See? Well, you you've plugged into a part of my life that that you know that I enjoy. That it's something I like to discuss. Uh huh. You know, and like like I was saying before, Jimmy Page is one of the mm-hmm. sloppiest guitar players live I have ever heard. So your favorite part of your life is shit talking other musicians. No, that's accurate. I, I'm not shit talking. <laughs> You've been doing that for my entire life. <laughs> the, now the other guy that I saw. I love how you used to go in a guitar center and just show up everybody there. But I didn't do it on purpose. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, maybe a little bit. Because you knew you were better. The other concert that I saw where I was totally disappointed is when I saw Hendrix. Because there was another guy. He was, undoubtedly, he was so stoned he didn't know what he was doing. Well. But it was just, I was going... Because I, I when Are You Experienced came out, that was that album was so cool, and I go and I, I go and see the guy live, and I'm going really. Because a lot of that was studio tricks, and like actually he was really pioneering in studio tricks. Oh yeah, I know, I know he was. So, but you know, that's hard to replicate live. Uh, he, well, I've seen some bands that that do a pretty damn good job of replicating their albums. Okay. Well. About the whole tangent thing, I really want to keep going with this, but let's do this in like a private conversation some other time, because we're okay. sort of taking up our listeners' time here. But they I, they like this, and I, they will like this. I haven't been off of question three yet. Kevin's gonna kill oh. me. Oh, okay, go to question four. Oh well, I I just want to know like when you realized that I was gonna be a geek, uh, I was never gonna be popular. Like, how did that make you feel as a parent? It didn't make me feel like anything because I was there right along with you. Oh okay. So. I told I told you you're an offshoot of me. I'm very introverted. Uh huh. But like, I mean, you saw me be like withdrawn. Did you think that was weird or bad? Or because I remember like you always used to scold me for being antisocial. That was a big word growing up. For like, you said that probably, all the time, dude. Probably because I had the same thing done to me. Eh, fair enough. I didn't like being around my family. I just don't like people in general, which has turned into a horrible anxiety disorder. So, <laughs> well, and it's I hear some of that too. Yeah. Um. But here's the thing. If your kid starts feeling bad, here's, here's question four that we're finally getting to an hour later, is what do you feel that parents can do to alleviate their child's, you know, if they have any negative associations with being a geek, if they're getting picked on, if they're getting teased, how do you make it better as a parent? Well, you, you have to encourage them and reassure them. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of those people that are giving you guys shit then... It's flip flop. Now you guys are doing coming up with like really cool stuff, like your 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 podcast show, and then these guys that were really popular back in high school, 
they're sitting back drinking beer and having a couple doobies and, you know, let's go out and get drunk Friday night. No, the problem is that now maybe that was true back in the eighties, but nowadays, nowadays the bullies have grown up and become president. Uh, well, yeah, you, you okay, got you got to understand. You got to understand. There's an order of magnitude. That's... No, it's not a whole different thing because this is something that's serious. Because now, bullying has been legitimized. This is a whole thing. They've done studies in schools where like harassment and stuff like that has shot up under the Trump administration. Well, you're, you're talking. <laughs> You're talking about an idiot to begin with. Right. I mean, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, I know people who are like extremely wealthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean to the point where they lived a sheltered life. You know, I know I know one woman who grew up on an entire floor of apartments on Michigan Avenue. Right, but the argument and- I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to make here is not that like it's not that Trump isn't an asshole because he's a liar and he's an asshole. They, he's no, a they don't know how to interact with your normal, average, everyday person. But kids don't know that. All they know is that they're being picked on for being different. So when your kid's being picked on for being different, what do you do? But being different is good. But we don't know that. If that's what makes you an individual. But we don't know that for like another 30 years. <laughs> Well, I'm telling you guys now. So when you guys have kids, well, no. Here's the thing: my generation has spawned. I've got a lot of uh, of you know people who I've got a lot of friends who have kids. So what do you want to say to those new parents? Like my friend Weston has like what a four or five year old something like that. Okay, not don't squelch their nerdiness. Let them be who they are. Let, let let them, you know, take the ball and run with it because you never know where it's going to take you. I mean, I was chastised because I wanted to be a musician. Yes, this is the story I was trying to get to with you. I, my one. my dad set me up with it. I was going to be a printer. That's what we were – Everybody, all the Ables were printers or carpenters. And my grandfather was, I mean, extremely talented. With, with a piece of wood, but he was also a printer. My dad, he was a printer. My, he got me a job at his plant, and I lasted about six months. I got I got an offer to go on the road mm-hmm. and be with a band, and I told my and I quit. I quit my job, and I told my parents, and then I came home the next night, and my entire freaking family was there, <laughs> telling me what an asshole I was. And I was never going to amount to anything. I would never be anybody because I wanted to follow a dream. And now I'm sitting there, you know, like I'm, I'm growing up listening to you play songs and there's pictures of you with Leslie West and you opened up for Cheap Trick. and just, I, That's awesome. The best revenge is success. But see, now to me, it, like I said, I just kind of, it just happened. I don't see, I, I'm probably come, I'm probably different from a lot of the musicians around because it's not a pissing contest for me. Oh, please. It is no. I have never. <laughs> you are such a liar. There, was, there is only one guy that I ever actually intentionally cut him off at the knees. Because we were playing a gig and this guy was like walking all over me and stepping on my toes. And I, I said, you told me that. dude, I said, dude, screw you. And I nailed him. Daddy, you say all the time what a better guitarist you are than everybody else. And the annoying part is that it's true. <laughs> but you always do that. You say it's not, please. Please. No, you might no. as well just whip out a ruler every time you come across okay, another guy with a guitar. I may, I may have gone through a phase of that. <laughs> 
but I'm not now. I'm not now. You you have definitely changed a lot over the past five, six years. But for for the majority, you had talent and you knew it. And you kind of liked showing up other people. I could see it on your face. I play because it's a passion. Of course you do. That's the main thing. But at the same time, you like but, the... This is just a side effect. This is the cherry on top of the Musician Sunday. Is that you get to do that? Because I think I think you were I think you were just trying to prove something to yourself, to to spite your parents. Maybe I don't know. This is just no, no. I wasn't. I got I got very fascinated with with music, and and then like the Beatles came out, and I go, wow, I want to get a guitar, and I finally talked them into getting me a guitar, and it was like real easy for me to pick it up, See, and I it just that man, and I, it just it just snowballed. I I, pick, I, mean, I I picked up the guitar when I was sixteen, but I never even remotely. I I can barely play. Is the when thing. I was in high school, Dana, I would spend my Fridays and Saturdays if I wasn't out drinking, um, <laughs> sitting in my basement picking licks off of records. Mm-hmm. That I mean, we didn't have YouTube and stuff where you could go out and get a free lesson. <laughs> I had to sit there and figure that shit out by myself. I figured stuff out by ear, not very well, but it got better as I kept playing. You know, I didn't know what finger vibrato was. I thought they did it with, with the little whammy bar on the guitar. I think I got one of those in my bedroom somewhere. Bring it. I mean, what? Huh? Nothing, nothing. You didn't hear anything at all. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that whole thing, it just, I don't know. I look at it differently. It was something that. You know, it, you, I, you don't I, have I, to I, explain I, a passion. I mean, when you when you find something and it sticks with you like that, it sticks with you like like that. Like my need, you know, my my love for language and yeah, you know, sort of and led I, me to trying to start my own, you know, proofreading business. And, and actually, a, I, I want to I want to say that my friend Matt's book that I spent February and March editing is going to be out on Amazon on Friday. And I will link that in the show notes so you can pick it up because it's really, really, really good. And it's such a good story. And I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge gear nerd. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, okay, well, I just bought a guitar. Well, I need another one. Yeah, I know. You know, or I just bought this pedal, uh, but I'm going to get this other one because it's going to make this one sound better. You know, and I take them up, and I still take them apart to see how they work. It was a bit of an expensive hobby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm but, you know, I, I've sold most of my collection. Yeah, I you know. know. And I'm really bummed about it. You had the well. coolest stuff. But, uh, question. Well, anyway, five. I would. Yeah. The parents. Don't squelch their, what, what they're being nerdy about. Let, let them embellish it. Take the ball and run with it. Um, but. Also, kind of warn them that they probably will get some crap every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one, there's the old saying, "There's one in every crowd." Well, there is. There's always gonna be that one person that's gonna go, "Man, that Dane is a real dick." You know, yeah, I really but they're don't. Right. I, they, you know, I really don't like her. I'm gonna go mess with her. I hope you never hear the shit that Jason said about me. <laughs> I I don't want to hear the stuff. I mean, that's and actually, I mean, it's my business, but it's none of my business. Mm-hmm. You're a grown woman. I, I handled it pretty well. Just don't react. Yeah. Well, sometimes you have to. Yeah. Sometimes you have to, you know, ignore harassment. Sometimes you have to, you know, punch a guy in the face for cheating on you. Well, you know, when I was in <laughs> high school, I was one of the first guys in high school to have long hair. Hippie. I, I was. I was. I was the first guy in high school to pierce his ear. 
And then I got a tattoo. Oh, you rebel. And, it, and everybody's looking at me like, this Abel guy is kind of off the wall. <laughs> you know? And then. Yeah, but, but I bet I, you got a ton of girlfriends for it. I didn't do it for the girls. Yeah, but you're not denying it either. <laughs> but but no, I didn't. I didn't do it. That I, bad I boy with the day. tattoos and, and and the long hair and the guitar. And <laughs> Dana, to this day, to this day, if, if I were to go play another big festival, the thing that one that this is one of my biggest biggest pet peeves is you. you you're just a normal guy. I'm a normal guy. I get on stage and all of a sudden I'm a rock star and I get off stage and everybody wants to be my friend. And it just drives me insane. But you I still, just, I just want to, I get off stage. I want to go home, man. I'm I like tired. How, I, I like how nobody thinks that they're famous, but cause, cause I, I've, I've told you, I've got like one or two friends in, in the comic industry and you think that's the coolest thing in the whole wide world. And you should talk to your comic book friends and see what they can do for you. And I'm like, they're just guys. Well, we all, we all, we're just, we are just normal people, but have uh, maybe a little bit extra talent than your average garden variety Joe, you know? Yeah, but then when you're looking at somebody that you admire, you, you can't you can't feel that. You get kind of I, I that picture of you and Leslie West from Mountain. You were starstruck, man. Because he, he gave no, you a compliment. I was scared shitless. Yes, but I mean I was too when I met Stanley. But, but but then they had the guy call me backstage. And thanked me for because I let him use my equipment. Yeah. Uh, and then punched me in the arm, gave well, me a dead tough. arm. And I go, "What the hell was that for?" And he goes, "Cause you're a real good fucking guitar player." That picture of you with him, you are lit up like a Christmas tree. That is one of my favorite pictures of you because you are just like over the moon. It's awesome. Well, this—I mean—that's a guy that I sat in the basement and picked the licks off. I was just stealing his licks. And then the next thing I know is I'm on stage with the guy. <laughs> That's so awesome. You know, it's just and like I know you're, you probably you were on stage probably thinking like, oh, don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up. No, no. In fact, what happened? I was on stage, I'm playing, and I, and I was doing this. I got into my. I was doing a solo, uh -huh. and you go into a whole different zone. You're like you're not even you're on a different plane, and when I started to, to end the solo, I kind of like opened up my eyes and Leslie was standing right in front of me. Oh my God. With his arms crossed, just watching me. That's awesome. <laughs> and I was going, holy shit. Deer in the headlights. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. All right. Let's, let's try to wrap up the last two questions, even though that was a really okay. cool story and I loved it. But, um, uh, it was the one about do your new child share nerdy interests, but like I mean, this entire podcast has been well duh. But what was your favorite like, uh, like your favorite thing about me being interested in the stuff that you were interested in, or like any good was, stories that you have? It was a bonding thing. Yeah, but what were some of your favorite bonding moments? Is the actual like on page question? Oh, going to play pinball. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. I remember arcades I when I was a kid, but yeah, yeah. I mean, pin, I mean, like we'd go to Star Worlds, you know, and watching you play a game for the first time, Sinistar. Oh my God! Tell the Sinistar story. I love it so much. Well, you were like really into the game, I was you know, four. and you were like, 
This was this viewer. was like the first arcade game that had like stereo surround sound, and it, boy, it, did they take advantage of it. And you were standing on milk crates, so you could get up to the, you know, the paddles and stuff. And then all at once, this this fiery head came going across the screen, going, "I am Sinister." But the look on your face, you were like, you were like, "Holy shit!" And you want you just wanted to split. There's this giant freaking skull screaming at me in surround sound in 1984. What did you think I was gonna do? <laughs> and then he'd do was... that roar, and your ship would get sucked in. I was just like, ah! <laughs> but it was just it was just a very cool thing. I guess I, mean, I, I guess I was drawn to things that gave me a very visceral emotional reaction. And so it was funny because I was like vicariously living my childhood through you watching you do this stuff. And now it's there's a turnaround because now you're kind of doing it with me. Yeah, I got I got to get you into some cool stuff. You you missed out on so many decades of good comics, and there's so many I want to let you read. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's oh my god, there's there's you liked Spider Man. I should get you a copy of Ms. Marvel because she's she's the Peter Parker of the modern day. She's the well, yeah, have, she's the everyday. I have no no no. That's Carol every, Danvers, Ms. Marvel. Oh yeah, she's Captain Marvel now. Okay. But we're, we're talking about, um, you know who the Inhumans are. Yeah. And, and, and how they make Inhumans with the Terrigen Mists and everything like that. No. Well, she got mutated by the Terrigen Mists, and now she's an Inhuman. Hmm. She's got, like, um, she, she's, she's a polymorph. She can change her body shape and size. Metamorpho, Metamorpho, the Element Man. No, it's not like that. It, it's oh, the Element Man. That's what it's he more was. of a Reed Richards kind of thing, ish. Yeah. Only she's got a little bit more strength. Okay. But but she's so cool. You know, she's got like the relatable friends, the relatable family life. She's the kid who think who's got all these powers, and she's in over her head, and she's trying to like find her identity. That sort. Of, it, it's 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 Peter Parker all over again, and that's what resonated. Okay. Okay. Well, you you schooled me a little bit on that then. Oh, she's so cool. You're going to love her. But okay. anyway, so so I guess you just like really enjoyed the camaraderie of, of having a family member that would like things with you? Yeah, you, 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 it reminded me of a little me. <laughs> you know, the, the, the nerdy little kid, the only child, the, the one that would get picked on, and then all of a sudden I'm finding all this stuff. I was the only was child like, for four years. Let's not I, – I never really – you know, I didn't. I didn't have the loneliness that you had. I was never lonely, though. Well, yeah, but I maybe solitude. That's the word I'm looking for. And I enjoy that. Yeah, but I. Yeah, I do too. But then I never had it. I wanted it. <laughs> I wanted to be left alone. Yeah, which is why I used to stick your sister in the dryer and turn it on. Oh, I did not. She'd be dead. <laughs> so okay. So, next question. Okay, this is the last question that we're on. So, we're going to wrap things up pretty soon because it's been an hour ten. Um, but a lot of our listeners... Now, Mother's and Father's Day might be kind of sore spots because there's a lot of people out there who don't have a good relationship with their parents. Or maybe their mm, parents a- aren't supportive of them. And it's just... <sighs> what, what would you, as a parent want to say to the listeners who maybe their family 
um, they were or they aren't supportive of their hobbies and interests. Ignore them. My father never supported me with anything. You know that. You know that whole story. Yeah, but the listeners don't. I, my father showed absolutely no love towards me whatsoever. In, in fact, probably on a daily basis, I would hear him say to me, you stupid son of a bitch. So my relationship with my father was not good. And then, and then he carried it a step further when I came up and I became his 24-7 caregiver. And he told me within a couple of days that he really did love me all those years. And then he died on me, which just le- kind of left a little resentment there. Because like, why are you telling me this now and you didn't tell it to me? 50 years ago. So that was not a good, healthy relationship. We did not have a good health. So, so I ignored so what would them. You, what would, well, but what would you have wanted somebody older than you to say to you at that age when you weren't getting the support that you needed? What would you have wanted to hear? I'd, I'd want them to tell me, you know, hey, you know, it's a bad scene. I know, you, you know, you're not happy with what's going on, but you need to move past that. You need to take his neg- negativity and turn it into a positive for you. Well, that's why a lot of, um, I think a lot of people my age sort of relate to the whole found family thing, where yeah. it's, we gather together people who are like us. And I, I know for, with my friends, let's, like, I have, I have very close, strong bonds with all of my friends. More than most, like, I, I've met like casual friends and they don't get it like i mean even kevin is i he's my brother in all but blood you know what i mean yeah like we will take bullets for each other and yeah. he's the best friend i've ever had so i think it's more like I, well i guess this is what i want to say to them is is you know you're not alone there are other people who are feeling that whatever you're into there's somebody else out there who's into that and it's really easy. I'm really grateful for the internet because that's what has enabled us to, you know, for as, as much shit as is on the internet nowadays, it's still a really good connection tool. Sure. Especially for people like me who don't get out much and have, you know, social anxiety. But you notice how I'm engaging and, and loud and, and funny and whatever on my show. And then yeah. in real life, I'm super boring. <laughs> I just sit around all day and, and you know, play video games. Yeah, and, and I can relate to that because I've done radio shows. Yeah. And you're, you're a different person when you're on the radio. Yeah, it's like the rock star thing. Yeah, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm, trying, to be, I'm trying to be me on this show. I'm not trying to be, you know, something I'm not. Well, could you be funny? So you, but, you know, you asked me to... <laughs> You had questions for me. You wanted honest answers, and I'm trying to give you honest answers. Some of the things that I've said are, are probably funny. Some people are probably <laughs> thinking, boy, this guy is really freaking boring. Or, you know. Daddy, they listen to me. <laughs> There's not much more boring than me. You know, and, and in actuality, I am a boring person. Yeah, I know. I listen to yeah, you. Okay. <laughs> but. Yeah, really, really thank you for doing this, because this is something I've wanted. I've actually had this idea in my head for about a year and a half that I wanted to do well, this. Well, and I'm glad. Yeah, this, this was like the first real opportunity I had to do it. And it has nothing to do at all with the fact that I couldn't come up with another idea for our ninth anniversary show. 
<laughs> well, it's, it's also it's also been really nice too because I, over the last couple of years now, our conversations when we talk, like like last, what was it last night? Yeah, we talked. We talked for like, um, I know. And the only hours. reason I, I I had to stop was because my phone died on me. I know, but we talked for three hours. Yeah. You know, to for now for me that's a big thrill because now I have I've gone from a little kid. Uh huh. Was afraid of the used little kids store. Oh, shut up! To a grown adult who I can actually have an intelligent conversation with. Intelligent conversation? Why go to me? <laughs> Via duck. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Why not a chicken? They're not going to get that. Mark's brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's it's. It, I mean, I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to you guys more now than I did when you were. I mean, when well, yeah, because I'm a different person now. I'm not your thrall. Little, I'm your I'm your equal. When, Honestly, I'm your superior, but I've always known that. No, you're not. Yes, no, yeah. no. Totally sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Grasshopper. No. I'm still the sensei. Oh, please. I've outpunned <laughs> you how many times? Because I let you. Uh-huh. But who taught you that? Yeah, who got you? yeah, yeah. Who got you there? But when you guys were little, it was playing games and going to baseball games or going to, you know, fun way. I didn't really like the baseball games that much, but holy crap. Do you remember in 19, like, 88, was it 88? It was 88 or 89, we got the Nintendo, and that was the big family thing. Yeah, I remember I got all the way to the end of Zelda. and then. Oh, and my God. Yeah, my stepbrother at the time. Like, it, it wasn't Zelda. It was Zelda 2. And you got all the way to the Great Palace. And then my stepbrother at the time uh, went and erased your file. And to no, this... he, turned the, he turned the switch off. Yeah, but the, it, it erased the file. I know it did. Yeah. I was so pissed. I'm still pissed. <laughs> it's like 20 years later. But to this day, I've never beaten that game. I beat the first I was, Zelda. I, I was the there. I beat I the fourth. I was there. <laughs> I know. I, I was like a sword away from killing the guy. <laughs> Video games will make you an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all it's all in good fun. It's all about ethics and gaming journalism. That's right. <laughs> God, I hate those people. All right. I could do this for like another couple hours, but let's spare my poor listeners. Um, besides, we got to stitch Kevin's half onto this anyway. So um, thank you for listening to Made a Fail. This has been episode 85. Laters. I'm confused. Uh, just who is this Godzilla guy? Yes, wise one, please teach us. I don't know if you're ready for this. Yeah. Oh no, Dragon's Tokyo.
Who's your guy?